the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. It's almost the perfect cover. Artificial intelligence creates photographs of Trump being arrested, chased down in the streets of Manhattan. And the never-Trumper, plus the Democrats' scum go wild. All the time not realizing they're the useful idiots for government control. As the quality of their life shrinks, as politicians who have been made rich by the Chinese Communist Party and the oligarchs who are benefiting in foreign lands as their citizens are being killed by the thousands, tens of thousands, they don't care. They're more interested in fake pictures because the vast majority of Americans and all of Democrats are absolute and total morons. Do you understand what happened today? Do you understand what the federal government did? They guarantee destroying the quality of your life in order to do what exactly? Aside from make themselves rich, because they're all front-running this policy. You're raising interest rates to slow the economy, are you not? Yes, to cool the economy off. Um, And one of the ways you measure your success, other than fluctuation in gross domestic product, is the unemployment rate. Is it not? Yes, one of the measures. Okay, so in effect, I'm not being critical. When you're slowing the economy, you're trying to put people out of work. That's your job, is it not? Not really. We're trying to we're trying to restore price stability. No, Um, you're trying you're trying to raise not not wages. You're trying to raise the unemployment rate. There are a lot of that. Me, I know you don't like the phrase, so let me strike it. He doesn't like the truth. That is exactly the truth. You see, yesterday the dimwit in diapers came out and guaranteed we cannot take advantage of the natural resources that is our country to the tune of hundreds of thousands of acres. And the crowd goes wild because they're idiots. They're useful idiots. And now the big policy that is supposed to save the economy is by destroying the quality of lives of 70% of the country who are going to suffer. More banks will close because of what happened today. It doesn't matter. What happens to the commoners, just so the oligarchs and the royalty that is Washington, D.C. is okay. And this bleeds into all policies. This is the real scandal. This is the tipping point. It's like the old mafia towns, you know, like Chicago, where it's better to work for La Cosa Nostra than be a taxpayer, an honest man, going to work every day and funding La Cosa Nostra. Now, that has spread now to the nation, and it's often revealed in the... Strangest of places, like Washington itself. This is Senator Cassidy questioning Bakakara, who's qualified to do absolutely nothing, but somehow he's in charge of everything. 
Tell me this, please. Can you give a breakdown of how many full-time employees are at their desk in one of these buildings every day? Senator, when you, um, when you take a look at the workforce at HHS, and we're close to 90,000 throughout the country, um, and working in various parts of the country, uh, some here in headquarters. By the way, headquarters, we have an underground. I got limited time, so, so this may be misleading. So tell me, of what percent of the employees are at their desk, full-time employees are at the desk on any given day? And I don't mean to be rude, it's just a limited time. No, and I, I appreciate that. And our, our folks are working full-time. No, but how many are at their desk as opposed to being at home or someplace else, a well, coffee we, shop or whatever? Yeah, we, what we make sure, sure we care about is that they're performing and they're delivering, and that's why. Well, so I want you to understand this. These are ghost jobs. They don't actually freaking work like you do. Like the head of the Federal Reserve is trying to put you out of business. Jerome Powell is trying to put you out of business. But if you work for HHS, you could sit on your fat ass, not leave your house. And by the way, do you know you get cost of living raises? That's not really answering my question, because I know the best practices now in many industries is to bring people back in. So is it 5%? Is it 10%? Is it 1%? How many folks are actually sitting at their desk in a government building when they are working full-time every day? And we have folks who, as they're working full-time... So it's kind of not a... (laughs) He's not going to answer the question. Clearly, sir, you don't want to answer that question. He doesn't want to answer the question because the reality is we are paying over 22 million people to do nothing, to look busy, but accomplish nothing. Health and human services, 90,000 people, and none of them have to go back to work? Then why is the government paying the rent? You know, this is why the government is the largest tenant and the largest landlord, because it blows our money down a black hole of corruption called government. And in the meantime, they are never affected. When Jerome Powell and the idiots, the idiots at the Federal Reserve, backhandedly admit they're trying to put you out of work to make themselves look good. And in the meantime, what else goes along with this cushy government job of the fat-ass G-men? But is there a cost-of-living adjustment for people who are taking advantage of generous telework? There is certainly a cost-of-living adjustment for folks who work in high-cost areas. So now... But what if you don't have to work in that high-cost area? See, when I look at studios, I'm in Studio Xanadu, paradise, phenomenal. But when I look in the, in the ghetto of Chicago, I got 17 people in this, in this office working their ass off, driving to work, paying the gas taxes, getting out in the cold and the gaga, and they're all there at work. They're all there suffering. But if you work for the government, you don't ever have to leave your house, which explains so many of the government employees' physique. Uh, even if they are teleworking, if they are performing their work, uh, they are entitled to receive a cost of living adjustment if they work in a high cost living area. And when you define work in a high cost living area, do you mean telework? I mean, for they could be in, their VPN could show them in D.C., but they could be in West Virginia. So are they getting paid as if they are living physically and showing up every day and parking in that parking lot every day uh, in the D.C. area? So you would have to take a look at the particular job description to find out what type of work is done and where they are located. This is the cushiest deal in show business. It's money for nothing and food for free. As they get cost of livings, they don't even have to go to the job. Oh, did gas go up? Okay, cost of living rates. This is why they're not affected by the policies. This is why they continue, like the welfare roaches in Chicago, to vote for these scoundrel mafia bosses. 
This is how they put up with it. And there apparently is no end in sight because this philosophy is now touted among the intelligentsia of our nation as to be helping an economy that at the same time they're destroying it, they're putting you, the honest man, out of work. This is how you backdoor socialize a country based against socialism. Our country is rooted in the inability of socialism to grab hold, unless, of course, there's all kinds of problems afoot. Then we turn a blind eye as manhands Janet Yellen, backdoor pays off her Democrat banks, because this will bankrupt good banks that practice the way they were supposed to, that followed all of the rules. But unless they contribute to Democrats, they're going to twist in the wind. And in the meantime, what are we supposed to pay attention to? The grand jury investigating former President Trump's role in the hush money payment to porn star Stormy Daniels is not convening today. They were scheduled to meet to weigh potential charges against the former president, but sources tell ABC News that won't happen now until at least tomorrow. Senior investigative reporter Aaron Kuchersky joins me live from the courthouse in Manhattan along with attorney Jeffrey Robbins. So this will be the play every day. Wait and wait and wait. And every day that goes by, something else happening around the world. Now, sure, I could pick on the chaos in Paris or the chaos in Lebanon or the chaos in Africa or wherever there's turmoil and governments abusing their citizens. But more importantly, so far in Ukraine, there have been 138,000 people killed. That's double the amount of people we lost in Vietnam. Another war built on lies. But who profits from this? All of the cowards. So when I hear Kirby... Anthony Blinken, or the imbecile, lowlife with a dirty diaper, Joe Biden. Talk about the bravery of people who are used as fodder so that this corrupt mafia can get rich. It is the explanation as to why they're not talking about a peace agreement that was tentatively reached. When Xi Jinping, you know, the pimp to Joe Biden's political whore, the one who owns his crack-smoking son, and from what I can count, at least 27 senators and 45 congressmen, all Democrats, except for a few Republicans. Well, that communist leader was in Rootin' Tootin' Putin's house, and they had a very successful meeting. War in Ukraine and the images out of Moscow today where Russia and China marked a, quote, new era of strategic partnership on the world stage. Vladimir Putin hosting Chinese President Xi at the Kremlin in a joint statement warning against the war in Ukraine reaching a, quote, uncontrollable phase. ABC's Tom Sufi Burridge in Ukraine again tonight. This is David Muir, who's supposed to make you feel good about being lied to. David Muir. Tonight, in the grandest of halls inside the Kremlin, President Putin and China's President Xi putting on a show, projecting the power of their partnership on the world stage, signing economic agreements with closer ties in technology, energy and trade, a new strategic alliance, useful for Xi, vital for Putin. Amid hey, you know what they're not doing, Squirrel? They're not raising the interest rates on their citizens. Oh, no, they're not. In fact, their economy is doing far better than the lie that is our economy. And percentage of people, they have far less working for the government. Who's in the better position? Xi Jinping, Rutin Tutin Putin, or Joe Biden? Richard Blanco uh, returned to a poem he wrote from the second inaugural of Barack and Me. A poem, one today, it says, And always one moon, like a silent drum tapping at every rooftop. And every window on every in, of every county, country. Let me start this over again. He's even dumber oh, when he God. reads. You stupid son of a dog. 
Western sanctions and his battlefield failures in Ukraine. China proposing a ceasefire without Russian troops withdrawing from Ukrainian land. The plan, a non-starter for Ukraine and the West. In U- no, but it's not really a non-starter for Ukraine. You see, Ukraine has lost 130,000 people. They didn't want to go to war in the first place. We backed them into war. I know. How dare you think you just buy the propaganda by cowards. Cowards like Anthony Blinken. Cowards like the diaper-wearing dimwit. And cowards like John Kirby. Mr. Xi has been uh, tacitly supporting Mr. Putin through this war. They haven't condemned the invasion. They haven't enforced the sanctions. Uh, they've they've uh, actually used the... the Russian propaganda, the justification for this war is the, the pressure of the West and, uh, and the existential threat to, to, uh, to Russia, which is, of course, nonsense. Uh, but he Nonsense. Is it nonsense? Here are the undeniable facts. There are 25 to 30 U.S. funded bio labs in Ukraine. Ah, those are just facts. Don't worry about facts. Let's go to the coward who couldn't win a fight in a room full of pansies. Is also President Xi publicly... Uh, upbraided the, the execution of this war by Mr. Putin uh, just a few months ago um, uh, during the Shanghai Cooperation Organization meeting. So it'll be interesting to see how he puts himself out there as a result of this meeting. The one thing I will say, though, Jonathan, is th- you have to keep in mind that this visit comes in the context of a recent 12-point so-called peace proposal that China put forward. And so one of the things we'll be looking for is whether Mr. Xi talks about the need for a ceasefire. Uh, I want you to listen to this. There will be no ceasefire, because if there's a ceasefire, someone's going to look at the money. Someone's going to look at the corruption. And we've been publicly uh, saying that that is just not acceptable. Uh, A ceasefire right now, if that's what's called for as a result of this meeting, uh, might sound good, you know, because... (laughs) (laughs) Only if you're one of the 130,000 people killed, you cowardice pansy. Come in a room with me. Come in a room with me for 15 minutes and see if you want a ceasefire. What do you say, coward? In the meantime, you don't mind the kids getting killed. You don't mind the people being kidnapped on the streets to be used to stop bullets. Of course, there are bullets because we're selling them to both sides. Never forget Victor Bout. Oh, there's trillions being made. Hundreds of billions. And the thousands of people dying? I don't know. I seem to think they think it's worth it. We have heard that a half a million children have died. I mean, that's more children than died when, when, in, in Hiroshima. And, and, you know, is the price worth it? I think this is a very hard choice. But the price, we think the price is worth it. Oh, hopefully you're working the glory hole in hell. Tramp. Rat. Liar. Did anybody bring up Madeleine Albright on charges for lying? How about anybody that sold the war in Iraq? How about anybody that sold the war in Afghanistan or Syria? Or pick a hot spot. How about Africa? What the hell are we doing there? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. It's a nice way to hide the information. With more on this. Aaron, what's the latest? The grand jury is not meeting today. We don't know whether it was a pre-scheduled thing or whether they were called off because maybe a witness wasn't available. There's no telling. How about because there's no crime? How about you do your job for once, you scum, pretending to be a reporter instead of a propagandist hack that you are? 312-642-5600. Make money, smoke cigars, and live free. On the Sean Thompson Show. On AM560, The Answer. AM 560, The Answer. I don't think I've ever heard that so openly. 
I don't want to hear any of this talk about a ceasefire, pigeons. You keep killing each other, and we'll keep hiding all the lies. This is the perfect way for us to really steal some money, and no one's going to ask about the $128 billion. No one is going to care about all of the money and all of the scandals. The wife of a Ukrainian politician has been caught allegedly smuggling $28 million and 1.3 million euros in cash. And whatever happened to that case, Squirrel? Anything? Any update on her? Oh, she's got the new collection of Louis Vuitton. Oh, and the, uh, the shoes with the red bottoms, the real expensive ones, the 1300 to throw. All right, that makes sense. Roger on the south side. Hey, brother. Uh, you know, you got to kind of wonder. I don't know all the facts between Ukraine and Russia, what transpired. And I'll be honest about that. But, I mean, what is this war over? Like, who imports better hookers to, you know, to cities like Chicago? Ukraine, since I mean- the fall, was always a bastion. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Was always a bastion of corruption. The oligarch yeah, war was between Ihor Kolomoisky and the Rutin Tutin Putin KGB. They don't like each other. That's what it's always uh, been about. And. Kolomoisky was brilliant because he mm-hmm. understood if he could get the Americans and corrupt the Democrats specifically, but the Republicans as well, then the flow mm-hmm. of money would be endless. So he partners up with George Soros and he gives a bunch of money okay. to, the, to fraud the economy because it's a rigged economy. That's what George Soros likes to do. When it starts to get wobbly, George Soros contacts Obama administration and they do the loan guarantees. You remember those. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over. Loan guarantees. This is when he was vice yeah. president. That's why he went over to Kiev and all that. And that's how they hire the crack smoking mm-hmm. son. That's the payoff. And they can push yeah. hundreds of millions through there. And now all that evidence is gone because with Trump out of the way, you go to war and you destroy all the paperwork. You know, like Rumsfeld. You remember Rumsfeld in 2000? We are, as they say, uh, tangled in our anchor chain. Our financial systems are decades old. According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in trans... And then the next day, a plane hits the budget office, and you lose another 2.7 just 18 years later. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, brother. It's the perfect scam. And they're fooling 90% of the people. They're fooling 90% of the people. And 90% of the people care about Trump getting arrested and the rest of it, and they don't even realize what useful fodder what idiots they are. It's like watching the idiots in Chicago vote for this Johnson kid who will win. Vote for this kid yep. as they are they are living in the ghettos, his ideology built for the last 50 years. Is that your the official prediction on Johnson? Oh, absolutely. He will win by more than 10. You want some action? Yeah, what do you want to, what do you want to throw? <laughs> An excellent cigar. An excellent cigar. You, I don't you drink got anymore. It, you got lucky. Thank you, Roger. We got a cigar. But put him down. Cream puff, Jim. Who do you want to win? Oh, you don't care. Your checks keep going. Yeah. Anyway, uh, American Masters had Fauci on last night, and he was absolutely spectacular. He said to make this in a lab, because to make this in a lab, it would be like making a Chevrolet into a motorcycle. <laughs> so it's no way that they could make this in a lab. You know, the other you know people, what came out you know, the other, yeah, What? Do you, know, do you don't know the correlation that came out? Oh, you're going to like this, because I know you're kidding. I know you don't like Fauci. But uh, this is something to pay attention to. Today I'm going to be looking at a paper, and this is the paper here I want to look at. Uh, Is there a link between the 2021 COVID-19 vaccine uptake in Europe and 2022 all-cause mortality? Not COVID mortality, all-cause mortality. And this study did find such a 
correlation. In some countries, it's 30% off. So they create the virus, they release the bioweapon, then they create the way you treat it. Mr. Vansell, uh, Moderna recently paid NIH $400 million. Do you believe it creates a conflict of interest for the government employees who are making money now off of the vaccine to also be dictating the policy about how many times we have to take the vaccine? I do. I don't give a rip what the Pfizer scumbag does. Fauci's one of the guys he's talking about. That's why that pickle-faced bastard needs to go to prison. That's who should be indicted. 312-642-5600. He will never negotiate his constitutional rights with the government. Live free or die on The Sean Thompson Show. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Squirrel, I told you save the good stuff for Friday, kid. All right. It's hump day. Yes, you're not the only one thinking of Kamala Harris. In the meantime, we have a woman who understands what's at risk. Very, very interesting woman running for Barrington D220 School Board. What I like about her is that she escaped communism in Albania, moved to Hungary. At the age of 16, she moved to the United States. I'm curious to see her perspective. Her name is Nelda Munoz. Nelda, how are you? I am good. Thank you, Sean, for having me. Well, I'm very fascinated by your story, and I see on your card what's at risk. You have two beautiful kids that are growing up in Barrington. And I'm curious, we'll get to your running and all that, but I'm curious to your experience from growing up under a totalitarian, corrupt government, from going from one place to the other and then finally making it here in America. I think your perspective is probably very important, and I'm curious to know what your perspective is. Uh, I would never want to go back. Let's put it this way. Um, you might not have to. I mean, yeah, no. I, well, if we don't uh, fight about it, uh, he might come in here. And I yeah. see some hints, and it's uh, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing because growing up under communism, uh, it was so bad where um, the dictator's statue, if it broke from, let's say, accident or earthquakes at times because albania had earthquakes quite often uh we had to all cry and if you didn't cry oh my gosh um authorities will be knocking on your doors and where this subservience is taught is two places in the homes and in the schools and the schools teach the children how to be slaves how to be useful good slaves to the communist system i have felt this way about public schools since my now out of school kids, were in school. I recognized it, and I worked, my wife worked, and we sent our kids to private school. And I'll tell you the truth, I feel I made a mistake. If I could go back and do it again, I would have homeschooled them. But one thing's for certain, the, the growth of that kind of ideology in the public schools is at a level I don't think anybody anticipated here in America. And is that why you're running? What, what is it that you said, okay, I have to run? Because you probably didn't have to. What was it that spurred you? Uh, what actually started for me was when the kids started uh, the Zoom during uh, the lockdown. I don't like calling it uh, COVID. Uh, the lockdowns, I saw the materials that they were teaching and how they were teaching. I was in shock. I was not aware of uh, different ideologies and they're teaching them how of, of 
how to think and and you know pushing these different I- agendas that and they're grooming I was very the alarmed. Yeah, they're grooming yes. the children through through perverse sexual indoctrination. That's the way I like to characterize it. Is that what you saw? Yes, a hundred percent. Yes. And if you don't mind, I could tell from the picture, but what grade were your kids in when you saw this? Uh, they were fifth grade during Zoom, and then sixth grade when they went in person. Uh, sixth grade teacher just sent out reading material, and it says on the email clearly that uh, there is some mature, and that's what caught my eye, that says, hey, there's some mature content in some of these books, but we think that it is okay for, uh, you know, sixth grade teacher, I mean, sixth grade uh, students to go ahead and read. And I looked at the, the list, and of course, Gender Queer made the list, and I looked at the pages, and I said, oh, I was very alarmed, and that's how I started to get the community you know, uh, telling them that, hey, it's happening. Look at the email. You know, all you uh, parents who have this <clears throat> certain teacher and it's inf- yeah, it's got the community involved and then everybody's seeing more and more in their children's classrooms that it is happening. And did you, first, did you first go to a school board meeting and say, hey, morons, I can't take my kid to see Jaws because it says NC-17, but you're telling my kids about perverse acts I've protected them from. My husband works diligently hard to protect them from and bring the quality of their life to Barrington, which is a wonderful community. I'm very familiar with it. It is. And it's still crept in there. And I'm wondering, did you try that route first? Did you go to the meetings or did you try to get involved? I have been very vocal. I have been very consistent. I am not stopping. Uh, and the reason why I also started to run is because you go to the board meetings, you complain, there's more parents showing up, there's surveys being conducted, and more and more parents are really alarmed, and they do not listen. Instead, they double down and go ahead and vote it approved, unrestricted what, in the school library. What does that remind it's you insane. of, Nelda? What does Communism. that remind you of? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, Nelda, listen, I, I, I want you to win, but more importantly, I don't want that corrupt mafia-run system that is very similar to Albania, except in Albania, the gangsters are better looking than in Chicago. <laughs> but in the meantime, I want you to win. But if you don't win, I can only imagine the kind of taxes you pay, as I am a real estate broker, and I'm very familiar with Barrington. What is the what is the feeling? What is the discussion between you and your husband if you don't win? Uh, my thing is I will continue my fight because it's not just for my children; it's for the community's children, and it's actually so crucial for America altogether. Mm-hmm. The kids; these are this is our generation, and we cannot allow this. Absolutely, we have to save the generation. I'm curious what to see I will what be happens doing with my kids. We'll see, but um, all the parents, they need to get out and vote because it is so crucial. And on top of it is they're taking time away from education, and then they bring in these new different ideas taught Mm -hmm. into the classroom while they're, you know, they should be learning math, but no, instead we have these different agendas that we have to throw in there, and it's not okay. I couldn't agree We're with dumbing you more. our kids down. I mean, that's what it is. We're dumbing our next generation. That is unacceptable. In fact, Illinois Policy Institute released the kind of 
the kind of reading and, and, and math skills that kids in all districts in Illinois have. And it's pathetic that there are only but a few that even break 50%. This is the problem yeah. with acclimating to incompetence. And nothing sums that up better than Illinois and, unfortunately, so many of the counties. Now, Barrington, some of it is Cook County, and some of it is, uh, yeah. what is it, Lake? Lake, yes, and King. And, and, and I'm wondering, is yours in Cook? Are you trying to defeat I'm in the... Lake. Oh, okay, good. Well, you got a better chance because Grady, who is called Preckwinkle, she's really got a stronghold in that mafia and cook, so you're still better off. But I want to give you an opportunity to tell the people where they can go to support your candidacy and learn more about you the way I did. Uh, they can go on uh, the social media, uh, Nelda for school board, Nelda Munoz for school board, and uh, yeah, you will find all the information, which is on Facebook there. And you got about two weeks, the way I see it, right? It's April 4th is the vote? Uh, yes. Now, though, will and you keep morning, me posted? Actually, I, yes, I will keep you posted. But I wanted to say also, uh, I took today my daughter, and we took a field trip to one of the voting poll uh, places, and I showed her around uh, how, you know, the rules of voting and regulations and how the machines work and whatnot. So it was very eye-opening for her, and at the same time, you know, we need the voters, the next generation, to go ahead and vote. So, you know, it your, counts. Your children have something that is beyond valuable. They have a mother who understands exactly what government-run society looks like and why you need to run from it. Nelda Munoz, it was my pleasure meeting you and talking to you. I really hope you win. And uh, give your give your uh, website one more time so that people can support you. Nelda Munoz for school board. Uh, on Facebook. You can Wonderful. go ahead and um, find more information. And Sean, I truly appreciate having me on your show. Oh, anytime. And tell your husband if you lose, call me. We'll head your, we'll head your real estate uh, down here in South Florida so maybe you can offset some of the loss. All right? <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Nelda. We'll be back with your calls and comments. I was listening to the Sean Thompson show. I am saddened that this guy supposedly represents us. I mean, I am appalled. He's just disgusting, sexist pig, and an absolute disgrace. Thank you. AM560, the answer. That is the silver lining in the greatest bioweapon to ever hit mankind in the Fauci invested COVID. That is the greatest silver lining. Mothers and fathers had an opportunity to see exactly what these frauds claiming to be teachers who produce a society where in the big city of Chicago, 10% of the kids can read (laughs) and 90% graduate. That explains the news, morons, morons teaching morons how to be morons. That's the public school system. But you're teaching fifth graders about sex. You didn't try that in Melrose in the 70s. That wouldn't have flown. Lloyd, Gary, Indiana. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Hey, that uh, lady that was talking about running for school board, back when I was a kid in uh, grade school in the 60s, they were teaching a concept of math. It was called new math, and it had a lot of symbols. Yeah, yeah, screw it. It had a lot of symbols, point to the number that's greater than all this. And my dad was a millwright. This guy could figure decimals, fractions in his head. He used to help me with the homework, and he would get so frustrated. What the hell are they teaching you guys here? Yeah. And finally, they stopped teaching this new math 
Come to find out that I was the one only school in the city I grew up in that was teaching this. The kids that came from the other schools had way better math school. And of course, the kids from the Catholic schools had great math skills. And yeah. I struggled my whole life with math. I had to like learn on my own. My mom even got a tutor to help me with math. And the teacher was yelling at me because I wasn't supposed to memorize any multiplication tables. Everything was symbols. It was concepts. And if you didn't have a basic grasp of math to start with, how are you going to learn the more harder stuff? It's but, like they screwed Rick, you right from the get-go. Here, here's where you were lucky. No matter what they did with the new... I, I'm lucky enough. I was in the 70s. They got rid of it. You're right. But no matter who taught you back then, there was something about the ideology of the teacher, regardless of their party affiliation. They loved this country. They loved the principles of it. These teachers today, 60 to 80% do not. And they go along with this corrupt communist teachers union that enriches themselves while doing harm and a disservice to the children but the the reality is because they cannot afford a society that thinks because if you get people to understand how to dissect exactly what's going on politically they will revolt a dumb, and that's what needs a dumb to happen. society is easier to manipulate than yeah. one that can think for itself 80 percent of property tax you know what the people in barrington pay on average in property taxes it's astronomical. No idea, but I'm it's sure it's outrageous. It's outrageous. 80% go to these teachers who, on average, make, what, 119000 like they did in California? That'd be an interesting And every time they want a pay raise, they hold your house extortion to raise the taxes on it. And, and you what happens away from your to house. the value of those homes? That's why at the end, the value of those homes haven't moved in 20 years. And if you inflationally adjust the money, every one of those citizens will realize they lost 50%. But they'd have to learn the new math. It's called Democrat Mafia math. Jose in Chicago. Hello, Mr. Sean. A pleasure again speaking with you. My pleasure. I remember. I remember the last time. How are you? Good, good. I'm the Chicago realtor from the Democrat sewer that is Chicago. <laughs> and I play in a Spanish rock band that played in Naples. You remember I invited you? Yes, I do. I do remember. How are you? <laughs> good, good, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. Listen, I got three points for you. All right. This is what I think. The Democrats are procrastinating this Trump indictment because what they want is to steer the pot. They want the MAGA rioters to come out on the street and cause chaos so they can have their January 6th 2.0 mm-hmm. and then arrest everybody and then call us terrorists. Yeah. I think that's what they're doing. They're just waiting. Absolutely, but I'd like you to I'd like you to just add one little nuance for me. They want the 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 true Trump supporter to blend in with the government coup d'état apparatchik dressed as a Trump supporter, like in the Capitol on January sixth. You know the ones that were already in the Capitol that brought, did all the damage and led to the riots. Those ones. They want to have people participate so they could once again stage another fraud on the American people the way they did in the president that was wearing a diaper right now looking for a binky. Absolutely. My second point is if Mr. Biden, because I refuse to call him president, ran a successful presidential campaign in 2020 from his basement and nobody saw his wet pants, why wouldn't Trump be able to run his 2024 campaign from his jail cell? I'll still vote for him. I'll just write his name on the ticket. Yeah. We've had many unindicted co-conspirators to the Chinese Communist Party uh, that are in the Senate and in Congress. They continue to run. And by the way, it wouldn't matter. You can be a felon and run for president. What's number three? And then I got to go. Hey, you lead me right into it. So Mr. Xi Jinping suggested that 
Russia uh, and Ukraine should have a ceasefire and that Russian uh, troops should stay in Ukraine, right? Yeah. Through the ceasefire? Well, no, he, he, no I, that's, it, what he said is it should be a ceasefire and then they negotiate and stop killing each other. And then, I, I, you know, they, we don't, that's the American spin that they want to keep the land. That's not, that's not from Russia. But go ahead. Well, well, my point is let the Russians stay in Ukraine for the ceasefire. And then we say, okay, we're going to stop fighting, right? But yeah. we're going to do to them what they did to Ukraine in 2022 February, that they yeah. say they weren't going to invade Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And we let them relax. We let them get comfortable, sit in ducks, and then attack. Yeah, or we could do or, them with or, their or own Vladimir, medicine. Or Vladimir Putin, if he was smart, what he would do is say, I'll pull my troops out of Ukraine when America pulls their troops out of Syria. Ooh, that would be fun. Thank you very much, oh. Jose, for the call. Right, Next time you want to sell real estate, there. you come down here, you work for me. Forget about that sewer. 312-642-5600. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. When I do this show... We talk about American foreign policy. I remember the 418,000 American soldiers that fought the National Socialist Worker Parties, called the Nazis. I remember the 58,220 men that were sent to Vietnam to fight the communists. And I think often of the 4,431 men that were killed in Iraq... 31,000 injured. Afghanistan, they say 2,400 with over 20,000 injured. And I often wonder how the cowards that sent them, what the purpose was, and why they all made money. And then you realize in the foreign policy of America, too often the bravest are sent by the most corrupt cowards. My next guest is somebody who lived that life, and I enjoy his perspective very much. It's the second time of talking to him. His name is Sam Faddis. He's a retired CIA operations officer. He's the author of the book Beyond Repair, The Decline and Fall of the CIA. I wanted to talk to him about the Chinese Communist Party. You remember the one that is so business interwoven with the so-called sitting president that we don't even know to the tune of how many tens of millions the Biden family profited. Sam, how are you? I am doing well. Good to talk to you again. You too, but I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm troubled with everything I see. And I listened today as a uh, Actually, this was from the other day with John Kirby, and I just wanted you to hear this. Scroll, make it so I can hear my clip. Will you there, kid? And so one of the things we'll be looking for is whether Mr. Xi talks about the need for a ceasefire. Uh, And we've been publicly uh, saying that that is just not acceptable. And I'm wondering, Sam, I'm I'm thinking of, of Frank Snepp. And I'm thinking of all of the things that started Vietnam. And I'm thinking of all of the different ways the American people have been propagandized. And I'm wondering your perspective on where this will lead with the Chinese Communist Party. Well, look, in terms of the war in Ukraine, I'm no friend of Vladimir Putin's. He's a thug. He's getting his head handed to him in Ukraine. He deserves 
terms that we ought to be looking for a way to end this war, not pour more jet fuel on it. And as with so many things, the only real winner here is the Chinese communists, right? I mean, Russia's being bled to death. We're emptying our war stores. We're bankrupting ourselves over a war you know, in, in Eurasia, while the Chinese every day are signaling that they're getting ready. (laughs) They are absolutely getting ready to start a hot war with us. And we're doing everything other than focusing on that. And I'm wondering, to me, it seems to be working exactly as drawn up. We seem to be falling exactly into the plot of the Chinese Communist Party, which is the only explanation of why they contribute to so many of the coffers of politicians in both parties, but primarily the Democrats, and how the the Democrat Party has fallen lockstep into exactly what the Chinese Communist Party needed, in my opinion. Yeah, look, the Chinese Communists run a what's called the United Front, which is a worldwide program uh, directed at extending their influence into target countries. We're obviously number one on that list. One of their key tactics is what they call elite capture. That means they go in and buy and gain control over politicians, government officials, media figures, yada, yada. Anybody who, from their standpoint, exercises power in a target country, they buy them and gain control of them. This is not fantasy, conjecture, or Sam's theory. You can go online and read all about this. It's established throughout the intelligence community. right? The FBI and their own website talks about it. All right, so they are doing this on an industrial scale inside the United States, and Exhibit A has got to be Joe Biden, right? He he and his family have taken at at least $31 million from the Chinese communists, including folks that we know are connected directly to Chinese intelligence. Now, if that happened in any other country, you laid out those scenarios and asked the FBI what's going on, they would say they just bought control of the president of that country, right? In a second, in a heartbeat. Yeah. And yet we pretend like we can't see it here for purely partisan reasons. And the policies that continue to come out of this regime are weakening Americans, America, America business, Americans in every fashion, and strengthening the Chinese at every single turn. And they are determined to double down on stupid. Whether it's the green energy plan, whether it's what we did in Afghanistan and how China went in and bought all the rights to all of the materials needed for the green energy eco-Nazi movement. This has to be something that more than just an excellent, handsome radio uh, host recognizes in Chicago. (laughs) Are people picking up on this? Well, I think a lot of people are picking up on it, and yet, obviously, the, the folks in the federal government whose job it is to do something about this, uh, the FBI, number one counterintelligence service, appear to be deciding to ignore it. I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. Make a list of everything the Biden administration has done from day one, every single key decision that has any bearing on national security and foreign policy has been to the benefit of the Chinese communists and to our detriment. Now, you can choose to believe that he is somehow magically just that incompetent and that he just somehow always manages to do something to damage the United States. Or for a second, you could entertain the possibility that maybe there's a method to that madness. Maybe the weakening of the United States is being done very deliberately. And yet, terrifyingly enough, you know, we've got thousands and thousands of people in the federal government whose job it is to work counterintelligence, as far as I can. 
tell there's not a single one of those folks who plans on doing investigating any of this or doing anything about it. They're just watching. Sam, you're talking to a guy from Chicago. The FBI has a headquarters a quarter mile from a short-in-the-pants little mafia don called Mike Madigan. For 50 years, he orchestrated the kind of pay-to-play schemes that made Chicago a punchline around the world. The reality is, when you look at what we see here, the red Chinese dragon is thousands of years old and very, very patient. The red Chinese dragon has friends on both sides of the duopoly here in this country, from Mitch McConnell's wife to the chauffeur of Dianne Feinstein, who's hanging on like Jimmy Carter. In the meantime, this is something where they own politicians from young to old, and aside from that, they have Wall Street, where Fink, the head of BlackRock, the most powerful financial entity arguably in the world, has a part-time teaching professorship at the University of Beijing. How did this happen without any of our bureaucracies, from the year-old agency of the CIA to the FBI to the NSA to all of these bureaucracies that we pay 22 million people as employees? Nobody picks up on this? Well, of course, I mean, you know, the Chinese communists figured out what that the weakness of a capitalist system is greed, right? Instead of taking the Russian method, which was they were going to run the, you know, the third guard tanks army through the Fulda Gap into Germany. They've, they've infiltrated, right? They're inside the wire. You're absolutely right. They have bought and all across America. This is not, I, I always harp on Biden because obviously the fact that he's sitting in the White House makes that kind of a big deal. But you're 100% correct. This rot extends everywhere. And, I, and, I, and it, in both parties, um, I think for most average Americans, so this is normal, they think of espionage as something that, yeah, there's some cases. Yeah, there was that Swalwell guy, and he was sleeping with some Chinese woman. And, you know, they're like one-off sort of things. And what they don't understand is, no, they're doing this on an industrial scale, man. They're recruiting mayors. They're recruiting people when they're still state legislators. By the time they make it to Congress, they've been working for the Chinese for years. And that's not, again, this is not science fiction. This is happening all over the country. And the fact that it's been done on such a scale is what makes it, of course, so difficult to look into it. Because you're right. Who are you going to turn to? Mitch McConnell? Is he going to lead the charge against this? He's filthy rich. You mean his wife doesn't like him because of the strong jawline? No? (laughs) And then there's the guy from Fox, Rupert Murdoch, who found another dingbat that apparently loves the old testicles. She's getting married again, but his other wife was directly linked to the Chinese Communist Party. So this is something that I think Americans became... Too naive to after the fall of this of of the wall. This is something that we think just went away. When the reality is that's the link between all of the former Soviet Union, the Chinese Communist Party, the Cubans, who are all working tirelessly to de-dollarize the world. Which I pose this to you: We deserve to have the world de-dollarized. Our politicians have bastardized the integrity of our currency. How in the world do we win? Well, we win by obviously by by demanding we go the other direction. But I think he raised a, a really good point. Look, if you look at history, this is how empires, and in this case, let's think of ourselves as an empire, fall. Right? They yeah. real they rot from within. They lose the capacity they to to resist, and they their own people start selling them out. Somebody hands them a bag of gold, you know, and they open the city gates and let the invaders in. That's the way this happened. And that is exactly what's happened in the United States of America right now.
I describe Joe Biden as an asset of enemies, foreign and domestic. I believe Joe Biden to be an obvious traitor to this country. I am on radio, and I can say that thanks to the First Amendment, but I have the evidence, the, the numerous, numerous prima facie evidence from everything from his crack-smoking son's hard drive to his history, his own history, when he was the vice president with the Fisker plant. The government pays $428 million, a Chinese communist businessman buys it for $18 million after it goes bankrupt. I mean, this is the legacy of Joe Biden. How is no one else calling him a traitor except for me? Because other people either either have been bought and paid for or lack the intestinal fortitude to stand up in this environment and say the obvious so they're taking a dive. But I agree with your term, your use of the term asset. What people need to understand, and I say this as a guy whose job it was for a long time to do this to the enemy, right? Not just to work counterintelligence, but to penetrate the enemy's organizations, climb inside al-Qaeda, climb inside Chinese intelligence. The goal of an intelligence organization is not to get something on you so they can blackmail you later or hope you'll do them a favor. That's They gain complete control of you. If you don't have control of your asset, he's not considered an asset in the CIA. That means he dances to your tune. Now, how that works interpersonally in each situation is unique. But the point is, he does what you tell him to do when you tell him to do it. So that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about... Maybe he's just soft on China. You're talking about the very real possibility that Joe Biden is under control to that extent. And if you just for a second, if you, everybody thinks I'm crazy, make a list of every decision he's made since he came oh. into to the Oval Office and tell me where he bought Xi Jinping. Where on anything has he? It's unarguable. He's did. their asset. That's I really I've, yep. I've been calling him that for two years. But, you know, yep. the reason I have this perspective is because I have, I had a family member that was lost in Vietnam after 21 days in the Marine Corps. I had a, a godfather who did four tours and came home, and he was never the same. And I'm curious to know, you were one of the first people in Iraq, one of the first, 2003. And you went in there because you, like my relatives and like the 58,000 men in Vietnam and the, the 407,000 in World War II and all the rest, you're a patriot. You believe in that mission. I'm wondering if when you look back now, as I'm sure you're my age, and when you look back and you say, was it worth it? Was I right? Were they telling me the truth? Do you come to the same conclusion my godfather came to? I'm curious. Yeah, no, I, I, yes, absolutely, I, I, I do. And, I mean, look, I went in 02, actually. There were exactly eight of us in country at that point a year before the invasion. I got a son who only by the grace of God survived getting wounded in Afghanistan. I, I come from one of those families. There are millions of us all over the United States, right? We're not unique. That have been in every conflict that the country has fought. You know, if we're going to war, we're going to show up. But the, the people in power have not kept faith with us, right? When you send those guys into harm's way and a bunch of them that I knew personally came home dead, you better, you know, there's a sacred trust there. They're giving you the, making the ultimate sacrifice. You owe something in return. And we now are in a position where that, you know, that obligation is not being met, man. We have been lied to and used. I live in a part of the country up northern Pennsylvania where you pull into a Home Depot, the first row of parking spaces is not just handicapped, it's Purple Heart recipients. Mm -hmm. And that's true across a lot of America. 
Well, that isn't true in any of the neighborhoods where these guys live that are making these decisions, is it? No. They're, they're not worried about that. Would you allow your grandson to go? Uh, in the end, I'm a patriot, man. I would allow him to go. But yeah, but we're going to need him here when these Chinese bastards invade us. I'm going to need him with me. Send him to South Florida. Wait. I hope we can take the country back before we ever get to that. Sam, I, I enjoy having you on. I'm telling you, you're one of the few guys affiliated with the CIA who I like. That's a compliment. <laughs> That's the best one I could give you. Sam Faddis, thank you for coming on. Thank you, sir. We'll be back with your calls and comments. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. AM560. The answer. You can count on your hands how many times I'm interested in the opinion of the CIA. But I remember reading Sam Faddis' book, The Decline of the CIA. And I also remember what he was sent for. And it bothered me. It truly did. Well, you know, I had only been on your staff for a few months when this whole thing came down. It's Ron Paul. And as I say, the propaganda preceded the war, of course. And it was really a talk about baptism by fire because we are so universally ridiculed, so hammered by the propaganda. What horrible people. The media was relentless. People don't remember that. But, you know, a lot of the same people, when we talk about war propaganda, is it really sets the battleground for war. Remember how endlessly they were demonizing Saddam. And if you said, hang on a minute, you know, this is leading to war talk. Oh, you must love Saddam. Well, you know, those same people that fell for that garbage, who demonized him. Now they're doing the same thing now about Putin. They're both probably bad guys. But what's important is that how the propaganda works. It pushes toward war. Now, against little Baghdad is one thing. A little Iraq is... And it also pushes against regime change, which is what the real goal is. And the idea that an American diplomat an American authority would have the audacity to say this in open air. And so one of the things we'll be looking for is whether Mr. Xi talks about the need for a ceasefire. Uh, and we've been publicly uh, saying that that is just not acceptable. That's astonishing to me. That's astonishing to me. And it goes to show you they don't care about the men. They don't care about the soldiers. Frank and Lamont, my uncle Jr. would be mad at me. You're right. Go ahead. <laughs> Hello, my brother. I love you. Love you, Listen, right, babe. A couple of things. First of all, when you when you gave out those numbers, you forgot the forty thousand brave guys who died in Korea. My uncle Jr. Uh, fought sure. in Korea. He was that was a very big. Uh, you there know, you go. Yeah, I know. yeah. You're right. I served there. I served there in the seventies. But you know what's interesting? This goes. A lot of people think this is recent. When I got out of the army and started going to school, I I went to a university at the corner of Michigan and Congress. I, I didn't know left from right, liberal from conservative. And I took political science and my professor got up there and she bragged how she had gone on several paid sabbaticals to the Republic of China. This is 1982. Yeah. All right. She's a university professor and she is getting free trips to China. Mm-hmm. Now, I was silly enough, having just gotten out of the 101st Airborne, to raise my hand and say, ma'am, why are you going to an enemy country? I've never seen that shade of red on a human being. Okay, in my in my life, she she couldn't answer me. I said, "Why are you going there? They're our enemy. Why are you taking free trips to China?" Of course, as time went on, I start seeing these things, you know. And people need to realize that this is an insidious thing that's been growing at the very fabric of our society. China wasn't stupid when they let Nixon go there. It wasn't to be friends. It opened the door for them to come here and slowly, because that's the way the Asian mind, uh, I yeah, probably the red dragon. trouble now. 
through the but red dragon. They look at things long term. Yeah. We we look at things in these short little blips, and to them, it's like if they sat there and said, "You know what? It'll take a hundred years. We're going to bring America down to its knees, but we're going to bring them down, and they'll do it slowly and quietly." And thank yeah. you, my brother, for constantly reminding people they need to they need to have the arguments with family at the dinner table. They need to educate them because somewhere along the line, we got comfortable. We yeah. got comfortable when 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 the Cold War ended that it was all hunky dory, and dude. It's like stopping the antibiotics before it's time. What happens? The bug comes back stronger. Love Frank, you, Sean. Thank you. Take care. I love you right back. Thank you very much. It means the world to me. My uncle Junior fought in that war, and it was a proxy war with China. North Korea is an asset to China, and um, we're being outplayed. And it it's perfect. It makes perfect sense to me, because who's the guy that's playing on our team? I'm getting so intimidated by being here. <laughs> And always one moon, like a silent drum, tapping on every rooftop and every window of one country, county, county, all of us. Brilliant. That's who's up against Xi Jinping. We're lucky it's only this bad. Bill in his truck. Yeah, Sean, how come nobody talks in plain black and white like your last guest, the CIA guy? Instead of talking in circles. Because we as Americans have been buying lies, right? I mean, you know this, Bill. How many wars, and I, I, how many wars have we sent guys based on lies? And you could go from Vietnam to Korea to, well, Korea's in, Korea's not really a lie. We were, that was a necessity. But if you go through all the different wars, in particular, the last 30 years, 40 years, you know, we got some bad stuff on that, and so we don't question it. So why would they ever stop lying to us? Yeah, but they talk in circles, and nobody, it's like this guy could just put anybody to bed the way he talks. Because yeah, he was there. He was there, and he knows it. And you know what, Bill? You gave me a, a, a great intro into why so many people buy the lies. This is a, a, a reporter named Greenwald, and um, he primarily was a Democrat. But he's very interesting. He was he rejects the mainstream propaganda we call media. It's not prohibited in American corporate journalism to spread false stories and conspiracy theorists. In fact, that's the only way that you can thrive in journalism. The people who have lied the most, who have spread the most conspiracy theories are the ones who have been promoted and enriched most within corporate journalism. The difference is. The way that you have to advance in journalism is you have to tell lies and spread conspiracy theories on behalf of the CIA and that advance the interest of the U.S. government. That is not only permitted, that's required to be promoted. What you can't do, the thing that Hirsch did that got him expelled from journalism, is he spread what are called conspiracy theories that are against the narrative of the U.S. security state that undermine U.S. foreign policy. And that's the only thing that's prohibited. That's what gets you kicked out of journalism. As long as the conspiracy theories you're affirming and the false stories you're publishing are aligned with what the CIA says and what the Pentagon says and what the entire rest of the corporate media says, you're fine. In fact, you're better than fine. You're going to have all kinds of rewards lavished upon you. Let's remember that the journalist who did the most to convince Americans of the vital lie that Saddam Hussein had a alliance with Al-Qaeda and therefore led 70% of Americans to believe 
the lie that Saddam Hussein participated in the planning of the 9-11 attacks was named Jeffrey Goldberg. He did that in two separate articles, one in 2002 and one in 2003 in the August Journal of the New Yorker that even won journalism awards. He was put on NPR in every Sunday show to spread this lie. Here you see it, March 2002. In the Great Terror was the name of this article from the New Yorker. In northern Iraq, there is new evidence of Saddam Hussein's genocidal war on the Kurds and of his possible ties to al-Qaeda. And then here you have another story in early 2020, in early, uh, in early uh, 2003, right, as the U.S. was getting ready to invade Iraq. That was called The Unknown. The CIA and the Pentagon take another look at al-Qaeda in Iraq. So Jeffrey Goldberg did more to spread the false conspiracy theory was Jeffrey Goldberg ever indicted? I don't think he was. Greg Rogers Park. Hi, Sean. Sean, I'm just curious here because I'm just kind of confused. Okay, these all these banks, some of these banks that went under, they bought all these treasury bonds, and then but they had to know that interest rates were going to go up, and now they raise rates again. How is it that I buy treasury bonds, I save them, I, you know, it's just like a long-term investment for me, small amounts, but you know, whatever. Yeah. But how are these banks going under being that dumb to buy them if they don't mature in the, in the time that they're supposed to? I mean, it's just they're like also they're also forced into what's called fractional lending. So the the oh, deposits okay. that they the, the deposits that they have it goes into the system of the Federal Reserve System. So it's not like they have those deposits on hand and they're doing what they used to do in the old days. They're giving some out in loans that they know and mortgages that they know. Once that money comes in, it's a vestibule, goes right to the Federal Reserve. They're forced and capitulated to buy their share of bonds that's dictated to them. It's not decisions. That's why they have time to shoot these commercials and invest in social uh, platforms and the rest of it. It's not banking the way you know banking. It's not banking the way you think of banking. Banking was forever changed due to fractional lending as it increased over the years, but after 2008, because in that fractional lending system, the backstop is already there. It's not like it has to be for us where we only get 250 protected. The banks have whatever money that the Federal Reserve takes. They, the FDIC and Janet Yellen get to decide who gets bailed out and who not, and who doesn't, which is why they're incentivized to give a large portion of their liquid money in campaign contributions and follow the agenda of the government. They, they backdoor oh, nationalized banking. So don't believe oh my gosh. banking the way it was when you were a kid. Those days are gone. I hope I helped you. Uh, Tom Richmond. Hey, Sean. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Taiwan and China. You know, China's made no, you know, they've made the premise that they are going to take Taiwan, and I think they can do it without firing a shot. They've got a larger Navy than we do. A number of ships, no super carriers like we do, but they'll take that huge navy, encircle Taiwan out in international waters, restrict shipments in and out. They don't want to destroy the place because Taiwan makes about forty percent of the semiconductors in the world. Well, Tom, and then we'll start we'll start about, complaining. What about the and election? They'll say no more shipping containers to you. And Taiwan voted in December. Taiwan voted in December that they wanted to be part of the Chinese Communist Party. You know that, right? I didn't hear that. Yeah, the people voted. This is this is once again where we're putting a stake in the ground with Taiwan. But I'm I I got a question for you, Tom. How come we didn't put a stake in the ground for Hong Kong when Trump was president and Hong Kong was begging us for protection and we yeah. let Hong Kong go yeah. by the wayside because Hong Kong had mo they were far more American thinking than Taiwan. 
Oh, they were waving more flags than the... the Hong Kong wanted our help, and we abandoned them. Taiwan doesn't want our help, and the Democrat Party wants to help them. Why? Yeah. Well, I know one thing. All China has to do is stop letting their container ships head to our country, and within a month, we'll be on our knees begging for all the junk to fill up the stores again and the auto parts. We fell right into the trap that was laid for us. Because China hedged themselves with policymakers like Joe Biden, the Democrats, Mitch McConnell, and so many others who took the money from the Communist Party and sold out their country. Thank you very much, Tom. 312-642-5600. Marxists, socialists, and communists are not welcome on The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Oh, I love this song. I remember when I had my daughter playing this song and I went to the hospital and back. It was before she started costing me commas and checks. The good days. Dave in Libertyville. Hey, Sean, I got a question for you. All right. Since since, uh, China and Russia are so palsy now, what's... You know, when the Soviet Union broke up, there was a bunch of countries that broke off. Mm -hmm. Ukraine was one of them. Mm -hmm. What's to keep Russia from keeping on right on going? And what are we going to do? I think it goes under the assumption that I think it goes under the assumption that that the the government, the American government is selling us that Vladimir Putin wants to reassemble the Soviet Union. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. If you look back to the civil war that was taking place for eight years, if you look at the Azov Battalion and the tornadoes who were killing Russian-speaking families and children for decades, and you look at the growth of the Western corruption in Ukraine, things like the 24 biolabs that we now know exist, and the growth of NATO in the back door, it would be similar to the Cuban Missile Crisis here in America, or if they, they were infiltrating Mexico and we had that at our border. So I think there's a lot of validity in the accusations that Putin was making. But more importantly, I am still perplexed as to why the American government was silent for eight years while Ukraine was embroiled in a civil war. Both Republicans and Democrats used Ukraine as a bastion of corruption, which is what it was. Ukraine is an oligarch-run country where the upper echelon was dominating and controlling the energy sector to the country, from everything from electric to gas, and they had those people living in poverty while they were banking in Cyprus. Just follow the, the money. It's always the case. And that is why the so many American Democrats and so many American Republicans were using our money to underwrite loans. No one has ever been able to explain to me why we were giving loan guarantees in Ukraine. That's a question I want answered. Thank you very much. Chris in Wheaton. Yes, sir. Yes, Chris. Sean, I, I love your program. Oh, you, 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 are, you make my afternoons. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, that means the world to me. This is my second year anniversary, and much to the chagrin of many short-in-the-pants Democrat Mafia members, they signed me again, Chris. Thank you very much, brother. I, I, love, I love it. I can answer your question. Yeah. One of the, I, I believe, now this is my opinion, All right. um, I have, um, I've got some, how can I say, I've been, I'm in the financial services industry. All right. uh, I think the reason we're having uh, exposure now is that's, remember Biden was over there always bragging about what he was going to do. 
to the, uh, the, the law and order people that yeah. they're looking in their son. And if that doesn't happen, you're going to, you know, I'm not going to give you your money. You know, it's yes. basically extortion. Of course. Well, it's their slush fund. So now we're yeah. fighting a war so that he's still getting funded. Plus, the woke thing, this is a, you know, a match made in hell because yeah. you got the woke people doing their whole thing and, and then he's getting paid by the Chinese. Chris. To slow the economy down. I love you for the call. It's called the Controlled Demolition of Americanism. I love it very much. Thank you very much yep. for making the call. I'm butted up against the clock. But you don't have to be in the financial industry to know if you're giving people hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, you expect them to be loyal. China's the pimp, Biden and the Democrats the whore. I'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now... With personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. My next author has written ten books. He's also authored numerous articles on American history, warfare. He's considered to be an authority on the Eastern campaigns of the American Civil War, as well as the politics and engagements of the American Revolution. He's exactly who we need to talk to right now. His new book, The Enemy Harassed, Washington's New Jersey Campaign of 1777. His name is Jim Stemple. Jim, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to be with you. What I like about your writings as you dive into the philosophy of war itself. And I'm wondering what your observations are now in comparison to what they were during the times throughout history that America has gone to war, not just with enemies foreign, but sometimes domestic. I'm curious to know your thoughts. Well, that's a big question. Um, the, I think the Americans during the American Revolution we're, we're, we're sort of searching for how to fight. And we have to remember that um, the colonists never fought a war, really. I mean, some people were involved in the French and Indian War, but most people had no experience in warfare whatsoever. A few had fought along the um, in the Ohio Territory in those areas, but most people hadn't fought at all. Certainly, the Congress had no conception of how to fight a war or how to how to set up an army or how to run anything. So uh, I guess in terms of the their philosophy, George Washington was learning how to fight as he went along. I mean, he had probably the most experience of anyone in fighting, but that was along the border in western Virginia fighting uh, the Indians. And so to fight a European-style war with a excellent, well-trained, a large European army took a lot of learning. Does that answer your question? I think that we knew a lot more after the Revolutionary War about how to fight wars, certainly, than we did going into it. Yeah, and I, I listen, I, I, I completely agree everything I've read. I'm, I'm, my question is the philosophy and the, 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 the motivation of the new American citizen, the new colonist, and his longing to not be a serf of the king, and that disgust of the abuses they were facing 
even though they were posed as legitimate and legal. And I'm looking at the American climate today, and the similarities to me are astonishing. The way in which the government at that time, represented by the king, was making up law, misusing it as their spear versus the ideology of the Enlightenment, the shield of the free man. And I feel like it's this modern version of what those colonists must have went through then. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, I, I see where you're coming from, and I, I tend to agree with that to a certain extent. I think when the war began, everyone was looking that they wanted their rights back. I mean, the the, the Crown had taken the rights away from of the people in Massachusetts and were, were stepping on their necks to a very great extent. And the people in the uh, Continental Congresses, they wanted their rights back. But after the war began... And it, it became fairly clear that this was going to be a, a war that uh, they were not going to win unless they got their independence. Then everybody did start to think in terms of their independence, to, to break away from Great Britain and to start a new nation. And then, I mean, it took a while to, to come up with a constitution and, and a new form of government. That didn't occur to everybody overnight. But certainly um, the experience of, of being downtrodden by the British government had a big effect on, on people. And during the, the period in which I just wrote this book about um, Washington's campaign of 1777 in New Jersey, it, that, that was a major impact because the British, after the campaign they fought in New York City and, and around New York in 1776, marched through New Jersey to uh, follow up against Washington, who was headed to Pennsylvania at the time, and they destroyed New Jersey. They, uh, they turned a lot of it into a wasteland. They confiscated food and uh, forage from the people, destroyed farms, uh, beat men, killed men, raped women. And it had a huge impact on the people of New Jersey. And it was the people in New Jersey, as much as the Continental Army or the militias that turned against the British during this period of time, and really turned New Jersey into a hornet's nest for the British soldiers. And the justification used, from my understanding, was that the king was making very arbitrary law and persecuting ideological Americans at the time, but colonists, persecuting them for their resistance ideologically to his, his power structure. And that's the correlation I'm making, because I think we are in an ideological revolutionary war right now i think we're in an ideological civil war right now and you're seeing it as people are picking up and going to states that protect those uh freedoms those the concept of the enlightenment the 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 states that are not heavily handed uh, heavy-handed in democrat and top-down control and i'm seeing this and i feel like it's setting up to be something i don't want to happen i want to avoid another conflict in America. But if you take some of what we learned in the Revolutionary War and the climate and the abuse of authority and the persecution of enemies of the king, and then you look at the Civil War, which you're also an expert in, and you see that same kind of thing happening, where that time it happened as a Congress to a certain extent, and they levied taxes on people and they ignored the representation. And I'm wondering, does that boil point come fast? Or does it take decades, the way I think it did? If you look at the Civil War, it took, what, 40 years for it to really boil over, and the Revolutionary War took shorter. I'm wondering, does it, does it take less time or more time 
as the heavy hand of government comes in? Well, it depends on the circumstances, right? I mean, the the Civil War was almost uh, bound to occur once we had the uh, the Louisiana Purchase, because that brought in a whole huge area of the United States that was becoming going to become states. And as those areas became states, the fight was going to be over whether they were going to be free or whether they were going to be slave states. So that almost set the, um, the, the in motion the events that would lead to the Civil War. As far as the revolution is concerned, I really think it was a shock to the Ameri- to the colonists at the time. They, were, they really didn't consider themselves Americans. I think they considered themselves British subjects, and they were happy to be so. But I think they were shocked by what the by what the crown did, and some of the some of the um, ex, like you say the extreme uh, measures that were taken against them. They considered themselves British citizens and subjects, and that they had rights, and those rights were being abused. And I agree with you that there's a lot to, to see in today's world in the United States. Sadly, uh, in terms of the way the Constitution is being. Uh, interpreted the way laws are being interpreted differently by different parties, and it's it's disturbing to say the least. I would agree with you there. And when you see so much of the conflicts happening now in the news, when you see what's happening in Africa, when you see what's happening in Eastern Europe, and all of this, uh, you had a book called the um, the origins and evolution of violence. Uh, the nature of war is the title of the book, but it's the origin and evolution of violence. Are they just replaying, to a certain extent, what is, is bound to happen in a society that doesn't have a principled constitution built in the republic of the people? Or, or are we going to devolve ours because we're not working to those principles either? I'm curious to know your perspective on the world politics and what you're seeing around the world. Well, in, in large measure, I don't see the world having changed a heck of a lot over the last uh, few thousand years in terms of um, warfare. I mean, you always had predators. You can go all the way back in time. Predatory warfare um, was opposed by other people, and we had predators, and we had countries that were not predators. And right now you can see the countries that are predators, and one of the great evolutionary things, I think, that happened uh, was the Enlightenment and the thought process that went into our Constitution that have a free people in a free republic. Democracies tend not to be predators. They have no reason to be predators. And um, I think that's the dichotomy right now in the world, really. I had hoped that, that democracy would spread around the world a lot better than it has. It, it, it has not, and a lot of the people that are running the democracies right now don't seem to have the same sense of the importance of the individual and of law and what this has given to the human race, in fact. I mean, the United States was a great accomplishment, and what we've accomplished in 250 years, where you have people coming from all over the world, from cultures all over the world, to make the most dramatically impressive country that's ever existed for everyone. That's, That's an amazing thing. And, yeah, you look around the world right now, and you can see that there are predator countries. They, you know, these the people who live there want to get out, and uh, they would love to come here. You know, it's it, the dynamic hasn't changed that much. It's sad to say, but that's that's my opinion. Well, you're that first generation baby boomer. You were born after World War II, 
And you lived arguably during uh, an, the most interesting time, aside from when we had to fight the Revolutionary War, because you were born into an America of peace and prosperity to a certain extent. And um, as, you, as you reflect on that and you take a look at what's at stake around the rest of the world and the lack of the call for diplomacy. But when you were a young man, diplomacy was a common word. And yet, over these last five years, you don't really hear much about the word diplomacy. And I'm wondering if you think we are on the trajectory for more conflict versus less, as we are supposed to be the example of diplomacy, of peace. And we so often are unfortunately, the origins of conflict. I'm wondering if, if you think diplomacy will make a comeback or if we're already set for another world war. I, I think diplomacy can if you have capable diplomats, um, if you have a serious government who wants to do serious things in the world in terms of peace. But if you have incapable diplomats brought, brought into office by an incapable government, then you're going to have trouble. I mean, it's, yeah, diplomacy can do a great, a great many things still. And power can do a great many things if it's wielded correctly. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the government we have in the United States right now, about what's going on, about their, about their interest in the people and in, in their interest in the world at large, at large. I don't think they appreciate democracy at all. I, I I grew up to the point where I don't think a lot of the people of my own generation seem to have forgotten how fortunate we really are and, and were to have been born the way we were. I mean, my wife and I talk about this all the time, that, you know, our lives here in the United States are fantastic compared to the lives most people live now, not to mention 100 or 150 years ago. Yet people don't seem to grasp that at all. I guess, uh -huh. I guess the question... The answer to your question is, yeah, there's a lot we can do. There's a lot the United States can do, but we have to have serious professional leaders who are willing to do it. When you, you During your research throughout history, and you see the advances we made as a nation, the youngest and the richest, because we have the idea, the concept of based in a principle of the Enlightenment versus politics, and you look around and you see that in today's America, all that is in control are professional politicians, most of whom never actually worked outside of government. And you recognize that during a very short period of time, we had the only president since George Washington that had never really been in politics to any extent, never really worked in politics, aside from buying politicians from time to time. And you see the, the peace that happened during the Trump administration. Do you think the only thing that will avoid a war is politicians in the future that are not professional politicians? Or will we fall in the trap of all of the other countries that practice this feudalism by constantly hiring professional politicians? What do you think will be the answer in the future? Well, I have no um, great respect for professional politicians. But oh, yeah. there are many people who have come from a background of education and service to the country and have fought and have done different things and then get involved in politics who are well-grounded in the Constitution, well-grounded in what the, the, the country has accomplished. And um, if we can find people like that, I, I'm, I'm more concerned over the fact that it, it's difficult to find good people who will run for politics anymore because 
the uh, environment has become so toxic, you know, that people have to get savaged everywhere. And good people have, are, are shying away from our politics in the country. That's, that's a problem, I think, for us. When I look at Congress right now, and I'll be honest with you, I've never been a Republican and I've never been a Democrat because they both parties disappoint me a great deal. Um, I look at Congress right now and I shake my head. My wife comes from Indiana, um, a farming community there, a, a, and they have they have different ideas. And I come from New Jersey, um, but we see the world the same way. We just shake our heads at at the level of ignorance that some of these people have. I, I wonder how they get into Congress. Um, it's, it's a nasty thing to say, but it's true. No, I and when you look back at, at, at some of the original, you know, Congresses and and the cabinets. These people were exceptional people. You know, surely they had um, goals of their own, but they also cared about what they were creating and their own legacy. No one seems to care about that anymore, or at least very few. And and you never hear the word that we should only be talking about and the fact that we're a republic. You hear the bastardized version of mobocracy, and they call it democracy. But the reality is this country, and as you look at through history and you read the writings, the only way they could communicate during the time of the revolution, back and forth, and the arguments, the federalists, the anti-federalists, and the rest of it, and you read the federalist papers and you understand it, do you think it's within that bastardization of language that republic became mobocracy called democracy? Do you think it's that the American people today don't understand that you don't have the power to be a dictatorship, a collectivist society, that we're supposed to have a republic that offsets that. Do you think it's the ignorance of the American people that allowed this circumstance we're in? I think it's the ignorance of the uh, educational department. My wife has been an educator um, for since we met 40-plus years ago, both in, in um, elementary schools and high schools and recently over the last 20 years in colleges. And the difference in terms of the education that probably you and I and she had going through elementary school and high school uh, and what they get now, they, they don't learn anything. They're not taught anything about the civics or the structure of our government. They're taught nothing like that. So by the time they get into college, they don't know anything. And then generally speaking, they're not taught anything there. Or if they are taught something there, it's how awful our country is. I blame a lot of it on our educational system. I really do. I mean, we we took our kids out of uh, public school and put them into private school simply because uh, she considered it a toxic environment. They, it, it wasn't just what they were learning. It was what they weren't learning, and it was also the, the toleration for very, very bad behavior. I think a lot of it is ignorance. I think the American public is far more ignorant now of our origins and the pride they should take in this country and how exceptional it is than my generation was. We were taught that. We were taught that. You know, we, we appreciated. I mean, my dad fought in the, in the uh, Pacific War in the Navy. And I remember being a very little boy, and he, on a Friday night, a victory at sea would come on, a, a show that was a spectacularly good show about the Pacific War. And I would be allowed to come down and sit next to him and watch that. And, you know, you... You learn things from that. I, I had great respect for what had happened, and yes. you know, you were brought up believing in the country and what we could be. That's that's not been happening for forty years, Sean. Jim, your books help it happen. And before I let you go, because I don't know when I'll talk to you again, I've always wanted to ask somebody who studied our history like this. I have come to the conclusion that 
Had we been better orators and better grasp of what was at stake, we could have avoided the first civil war. We had eliminated slavery in 13 states without a shot being fired and all the rest of it. I think the, the wheels had been set in motion 40 years prior with the tariffs of abomination and the rest of it. Do you think, had we been a little smarter and had a little bit more communication skills, we could have avoided the first civil war? Or do you think it was inevitable? Absolutely, I do. I, you know, I mean, if you look back at the civil war, it was a lot of the hotheads, the fire breathers that they called in South Carolina, that, that brought the Civil War on. I mean, there were a lot of people that did not want that war. There were a lot of people who did not want to fight for the Confederacy in, in the South, who believed in the Union and, and believed in and working their way through it. But it was the um, plantation owners, the planters, who by and large drove it and um, and presented it to the Southern people as, a war of independence, when in fact it was it was a war to benefit their economic um, interests. <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same. I can't tell exactly. you how much I enjoy your writings. Jim Stemple, the new book, Enemy Harassed, Washington's New Jersey Campaign of 1777. It's out now. Jim, thank you for making yourself available. I'm going to have you back, okay? Thank you, Sean. I look forward to it. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. This is the Sean Thompson Show, where Democrats are always wrong, Republicans are seldom right, and politicians are never, ever to be trusted. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Interesting times. Arguably the most interesting. What will the future hold? One thing's for certain. We're definitely dumber than we used to be. Just take a look at these Democrat hellholes practicing the ideology we've sent hundreds of thousands of boys to defeat and here it is right in good old chicago so i don't waste too much time on it when it comes to chicago let's go to bozo's grandson jason how are you how you doing buddy good how are you i'm great got the t-shirt by the way oh wonderful does it go with your big shoes (laughs) yes it does all right good that's funny all right good um so your last caller was excellent. I loved that interview. That was amazing. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Because I don't and know if he liked he super, it, but we'll see. Well, his information was excellent. Um, everything you've been uh, you've been saying, I, you know, I listen every almost every day when I can. Thank you. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out, but uh, you know, you're spot on and. I'm almost convinced that the divorce is what has to happen. Yes. Well, it has I, to happen I mean, because the government it's, doesn't it's have integrity. Ridiculous. Yeah. When the well, people integrity, have integrity, no it's long gone. What? Well, when the people have no faith in the institutions, when the institution have become weaponized, then you only have one recourse. Now, I'm, I'm, I ironically do not want violence. I don't think we need it. I think it's in our founding documents that we are free men, that we cannot be forced into capitulation. But when you look at so many of our programs, where is the choice? Where is the choice in any of it? They've backdoor nationalized every aspect of your life. And even though the policies are corrupted and failed and the money is stolen, like Social Security, like any, just pick one of them. What do the people have in recourse? The recourse should be the principles of the country. Ideologically, I am a free man. I am not your slave. You are not entitled to my money. You don't just get to take it, or do you? Because if that's the case, then call me what I am, a slave. 
Call me what I am. Exa- I want you to tell me I, I'm a slave and my money is yours and what I get to keep is what you let me keep. Because that's what's happening. Right. I, 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 I agree 100%. The yeah. thing is, is that the Civil War part, I'm ex-military, but so was my grandfather, by the way. My grandfather was oh, in the I Navy. I so, so was I. And I was in the Special Forces Division of the Navy. And I have no problem yanking my shit off my side. Oh, you can't swear. I'm sorry about the language. <laughs> sorry, right. sorry. Uh, yanking you. my stuff off my side and, you know, letting everybody know what's up. I, I just, it's, it's getting to the point where... But we where, don't have to do that. And I don't want to do that. I don't want you to do I, that. I, I, because this I idea either. that we... I don't either. You know this. The military, the guys that actually fight, are not the perpetrators of this crime. The perpetrators of the crime that is American government are politicians. So ideologically, I think it's time to just go our separate ways. It's a big country, even though Joe Biden keeps locking us out of it. We just go our separate ways. And and by the way, you can do that electronically. I I had operational operational top-secret clearance, and I also had secret clearance on, like, the general level. So I have seen my some stuff and this was a long time ago i'm 50 years old now almost 51 in april but uh look what's going on is just out of control like i i I don't get the faith brother the the word the word that i only comes to mind to me is complacent like uh, americans are just complacent what what state do you live in and it's that's not well, I live in Ohio, but I grew up in Chicago, brother. Oh, I know you did. But and on whatever. your advice, I moved. Good. I just moved. Good. January 1st. Well, let it sink in, because there are other states where you're not going to feel this way, that hopelessness that Illinois gives you. In the meantime, Jason, keep the faith, because we're going to win in the end. Ideologically, we are a free people, and we will we win. We are going to win, Sean, win and I argument. can't wait to have a cigar with you, brother. Me too, Jason. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it, brother. Larry Oakforst. Hey, Sean, I was just calling, uh, like your show as usual, but um, if uh, obviously it's going to be Trump or DeSantis, uh, if one of them, whoever gets in, if it's DeSantis, who should be the vice president uh, candidate, or if it's uh, Trump, who do you think he should pick? What do you think? Ah, boy, you know, Larry, what goes along with that is that I have to believe that the election will be Honest, and I don't. I don't have faith in the electoral system. But in a, if you want to play fantasy politics, let's call it fantasy politics. Who do I want? I want either Vivek Ramaswamy or Tulsi Gabbard. What do you think of that? <gasps> that's going to lose listeners. That's going to lose. Listeners. <laughs> but that's all right. I'm on my second anniversary, and I just signed a new contract. Too bad. No, I'm kidding. Um, I want somebody who's going to be anti-corruption, anti-foreign policy corruption of which the American people have been held hostage for half a century. I want this scheme of the IMF Bank, of the UN, of our foreign interventions. I want it to end yesterday. Because if if in this country we have no representation, imagine what it's like to be an honest man, a peaceful man, somebody who believes in integrity in Ukraine, as your government is kidnapping you to go kill people who were your fellow countrymen 35, 40 years ago. That's a, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. And I want, I want world peace, as crazy as that sounds. I don't mind a good bar fight, but I don't want innocent kids kill, being killed and, and being murdered because they, they're being told they're patriotic to do so. Thank you very much, Larry. So give me, that's the one thing Trump delivered. 
I'll beat him up on a lot of policies. But the one thing he delivered was peace. You didn't hear any of this going on. None of it. And as far as COVID, I still want to go to the origins of that son of a gun. But in the meantime, let me give you some time here. Tom in Blue Island. Sean Dittos, love you. Love you right back. Thank you. Love the idea of the quote-unquote divorce. Why not? You're going to have to lay out how this happens, brother, because you're talking. Larry Clayman is neither, starting no another coward. You're yeah. talking about peacefully? You think these scumbags are going to let you go away and take your money peacefully? Because that ain't happening, my man. Yeah, I'm one of the third that actually earn, as opposed to the barnacles. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I do think they will. I think it's in the, in the founding of the country. Either we're free or we're not. And the one thing is, if we keep pushing for it, they're going to have to admit it to us, that we're the slave and they're the master. And now let's see who wants to be willing slaves. I don't know too many guys that do. Jim and Palatine. Yeah, I've been thinking about this for months now. Um, as far as people speaking out, why we have a national this and a national that day. Why can't we have a national sign day? Speak and say what you want to say. Let everybody know. Oh, brother, I do that every day. It's called a weekday. It's called the Sean Thompson Show. Three hours a day I do it. And I will not ever uh, go idly quiet on the corruption that is the American government. If you notice, Jim, I point out whether it's the, the financial policies, whether it's the domestic policies, pick something the government does. It is a corrupt scheme. Thank you very much. And by the way, that's a great segue into our next segment. I'll be back. We're going to do a little bit of this tearing apart of the eco-Nazi green energy movement. I'm going to rip that scam asunder as well. I'll be back after this. He believes in freedom, capitalism, and individual liberty. And because of that, he's become an enemy of the state. He's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show on AM 560, The Answer. AM 560, The Answer. On a cold and gray Chicago oh, morning. Son of a gun. Love him. All right, now... The eco-Nazi green energy boondoggle is the golden goose of this particular Marxist mafia. And they're going to move forward in the face of its own reality. Where will our viewers see the results in their own lives and how can they take advantage of it? Yeah, it's a great question because there are huge opportunities for individuals, especially as they consider perhaps retrofitting their homes to be more energy efficient. So, for example, if you wanted to install a heat pump in your home, replace your HVAC system, perhaps it's gone out. You can get significant tax credits to be able to do that. Jennifer Granholm is a bimbo, a failed political whore who now presents herself as an expert. One of my favorite documentaries, ironically, is created by someone I don't agree with on absolutely anything. His name is a big fat slob, Michael Moore, which is the Latin translation of big fat slob. Michael Moore has a documentary called Planet of the Humans. When you realize who's involved in this scheme, it'll make more sense to you. Commit to divesting from fossil fuels. We can't justify investing our money in companies that are basically running Genesis backward. So when you divest from fossil fuels and invest in green funds, what are you investing in? I took a deep dive into Securities and Exchange Commission filings to find out. For instance, in the Green Century Funds, recommended by 350.org and Bill McKibben, I found less than 1% solar and wind, and 99% things like mining. 
biomass, oil and gas infrastructure companies, including a tire sands exploiter, McDonald's, one of the companies driving meat consumption across the planet, Archer Daniels Midland, one of the world's largest producers of biofuel, Coca-Cola, the largest creator of plastic pollution on Earth, logging and paper companies, including one that brags about biomass burning, and banks. You know what biomass is, Squirrel? Lots of banks, including BlackRock, the largest financer of deforestation on Earth. The business that they're engaged in is actually destroying our life support system. The Sierra Club also partners with a green fund called Aspiration. Aspiration also includes dozens of companies profiting from the destruction of the planet. Biomass is destroying our forests to mimic coal rather than use coal. This is a scandal. This is a a money scheme. And all the players are in on it. This isn't about saving Mother Earth or any other gaga. This is about a fraud. So a lot of people are very optimistic, as you know, with wind and solar, the renewables cost coming down, the battery costs are coming down. You think that's enough or do you no, think that need is more? so disappointing? Uh, I mean, really, uh, the uh, Voslav yesterday, uh, he, he said, OK, here's Tokyo, 27 million people. You have three days uh, of a cyclone basically every year. It's 22 gigawatts uh, rate over three days. You know, tell me what battery solution uh, is going to sit there and provide that power. I mean, let's not joke around. Your multiple orders of magnitude, you know, oh, $100 per kilowatt hour, that's nothing. That doesn't solve the reliability problem. And remember, electricity is 25% of greenhouse gas emissions. Whenever we came up with this term clean energy, I think it screwed up people's minds because they didn't, now they don't understand I was at this conference in New York, I won't name it, and they were saying all these financial guys got on stage and said, oh, we're going to rate companies in terms of their CO2 output. We're going to say this company puts out a lot of CO2 and financial markets are magical and all of a sudden the CO2 will stop being emitted. And I was like, okay, how are you going to make steel? Do you, do you guys on Wall Street, do you have something in your desks that makes steel? <laughs> what? Bill Gates must have hit his head on Jeffrey Epstein's airplane. Because he told the truth. This is a money scam. And whoever the next president is needs to remove every bureaucrat, everybody hired under the illegitimate Joe Biden regime. I can't. I'm sorry if I left you on the line. Chris in Milwaukee, you got to remember to vote in Wisconsin Supreme Court. You absolutely do. I'll be back in 21 hours. Happy anniversary. We're back for a couple years after this. Much to the chagrin of the mafia. I'll be back in 21 hours. Don't just have a great night. Have an American night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.